So Taylor called me this week or text me and said, Hey, you know, um, we, we shouldn't build the kingdom of God. And I thought, man, that's a, that's probably a, that's probably something we should talk about a little bit and um, save, save us a lot of time if he's right. <laughs> and so, and so I, I know you guys were kind of musing this idea and thought, Hey, you know, we're actively thinking about some of these things. Why don't we, why don't we record this conversation as we start talking through it? And so, I don't know, uh, Taylor, do you want to, or one of you want to jump in and kind of like help frame that conversation out a little bit and we'll just, we'll just kind of let it rip. I would like to frame it. There we go. Taylor will then, Taylor will then fix it. Okay. Um, so we were, we're trying to tighten up the Brave City manuscript. Mm-hmm. And chapter three, we talk about essentially building kingdom ecosystems. And John, you said it, we're like we, when we're out just talking with people, we always talk about, yeah, the, what we do is we build kingdom ecosystems, right? Mm-hmm. Which we call Brave Cities. And so we give people some building blocks, even we call them, I mean, after this talk, maybe we'll change everything, but <laughs> we give them building blocks that when you're trying to build one of these things, you build it on disciples and you build it on apostolic convergent zones and you build it on intentional neighborhood houses and you build tables and, you know, so we give them, I don't know, five or six things we think anywhere in the world, if you're going to kind of go this route there's some building blocks to think about but then as we get into some other chapters taylor and i are scratching our head because we cannot find a passage of scripture that actually says to build the kingdom or that it can actually be built at all so we were in a little bit of a pickle dick about that (laughs) going well we don't want to tell people to do something that jesus doesn't tell so we want to have that talk about that would that be a good frame taylor to work off of yeah really good um now by the way there are lots of passages about the kingdom obviously jesus said matthew 16 i will give you the keys to the kingdom there's other times that you guys throw in with me here but um other times where he says you will find the kingdom right he says the kingdom is at hand so apparently the kingdom is not something that we actually actively build it's something that maybe 100 of it already exists right next to the kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms that we build even our church kingdoms and so if Let's just say for argument that the kingdom is fully available and discoverable. Then what is our role in, as we'll talk about digging for it Mm. or actually giving some focus or goal? Like what would be the goal if we can't build it? Then what is the goal? So I'm just, I'm throwing out all sorts of things we can get after. Yeah. I mean, I think at the core of what we're talking about, I, I would just say, I think that it's here. And so I want everyone to know that we are on a, we're on this kind of experimental journey. Uh, I was listening to a guy this morning, you guys might've heard of him. Um, He's kind of a, he's a post journalist, um, pseudo scientist trying to understand 
consciousness. His name's Graham Hancock. You ever heard of him, John? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He writes a lot on psychedelics. I on I figured you would, Dangler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew I knew if it's on psychedelics, Dangler sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's a there's a point I want to make about him, and then maybe tie it in. He 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 writes a lot. He has a uh, I think his his most known book is called uh, Fingerprints of the Gods. Yep. And he he writes on psychedelics and ancient civilizations, the mysteries of like uh, the the lost civilizations of the Amazon, the mysteries of the pyramids, and. Um, just a lot of interesting stuff and trying to understand what's happened throughout human history. And he even kind of sneaks into like parallel realms and the multiverse, all things that sound comical to people who haven't pressed into it. But the more you do, the more you start to go. Yeah, I think there is something right here. So there's, there's actually two things from uh, just uh, time in the gym this morning, listening to some of his lectures that I came away with. Number one, uh, 30 years in, he feels like he's still on the journey of trying to understand uh, consciousness and um, human history. So my first thing is I want to make it clear that uh, we feel like we are, we'll say this often, but we feel like we're giving directions in the fog. We feel like we're sort of fumbling around the, in the dark saying, God, uh, creator God, we uh, we want to understand your way and we want to understand the things that you taught us. You called them secrets. And so I, I'm assuming that you're letting us in on your secrets one little level at a time. Um, it is an experiment. But the second thing was really cool because he believes in his pursuit of truth and understanding, uh, whether you agree with his methods or not, but he is really been able to sense and observe uh, other dimensions that are right here with us. And that's kind of uh, another part that that was, that wasn't even in the cards yesterday when I, when I, or a few days ago, when I reached out to John, to you, John, I was just more so I'm sitting early morning, looking over the Mississippi river and I can't get away from this thought that we're not building the kingdom, man. The kingdom is here. Mm. The kingdom has been covered up almost like the, the ancient, you know, uh, advanced civilizations of the Amazon. It's been covered up with empire, with Babylon, with the weeds and overgrowth of sin. Um, I think about Eden, even if we're going to get a little scientific geographical about it. Uh, or geological even. I think about Eden, how when you study or when you read about Eden, um, Hugh might have dropped off with us, but yeah. we can keep going. He'll jump back on. Uh, there he is. When you read about Eden, you read about these rivers that are discoverable now that you can go and visit now. And so uh, there's a sense of of this other dimension, and then I'll even reference C.S. Lewis and the the wardrobe and how they walked right into the land of Aslan. All that is kind of uh, more more you know mythical in nature to say um, the thought that we're all wrestling with right now is that it's not that we go to places and build the kingdom; it's that we are called into 
certain regions, certain people, certain uh, contexts to then uncover the kingdom and to chip away at it. And so that's the that's the idea that we're wrestling through because we want to we want to lower this branch and we want to say like church planners, man, y'all are really city builders. Um, y'all are y'all are artists that have been called into this uh, ancient work of discovering the kingdom in your city. And then the things you build are the aspects or the blocks of the kingdom or the, the, the spaces and the people and the experiences and ultimately the footings uh, of kingdom life in your city. So, and then after that, and I want to make this clear, like I wasn't trying to proof text, you know, after that, I decided what I'm going to do is I'm just going to search the scriptures for, for a, couple hours and just see what it says about building the kingdom and ultimately like I said I I really wasn't coming away with anything that was clear that you go and build the kingdom but rather that the kingdom is being built in us mm-hmm. we are the we are the um living stones so the uh Taylor was was I don't know if this is the right reference but I think Luke 17 the passion translation says the kingdom of of God is expanding within some of you is the translation. So it's the kingdom can definitely grow inside each of, of us. Obviously, the more we, like I remember um, hearing a definition of disciple is somebody that grows from unbelief to belief in every aspect of their lives. And then Jesus said the work is to believe. And so maybe, maybe the expanding of the kingdom is really, uh, only based on how many people the kingdom and to what extent the kingdom is expanding within the individual people. And if Jesus is now the new cornerstone and then we are the the bricks that he's building into his new priesthood and his new city, then maybe it really is about mostly about like when we think about planting, maybe it's really about trying to figure out how to help the kingdom to expand in every single person. And to that extent, maybe we find the kingdom, you know, you know, it's interesting. Um, I mean, that, that reminds me of the um, conversation we had with Adam a little bit where he started speaking to something like a culture, a DNA, right. There's like this thing that, because that, that Luke 17 thing you're referring to, I was thinking about it because, you know, as you're talking about like, the kingdom, I mean, throughout Jesus, say like, like in Matthew six, like seek first the kingdom, like uh, everything else will be taken care of. This is the ultimately the thing you need to aim at the thing you're seeking. So it's this thing to be sought after, but that Luke 17 reference um, that you made is like, it's actually the other one that came to mind. Cause I was like, Oh, it's something you seek. But then also in 17, when he says that what you're referring to is, is that They're like, you know, when will it come? Where will it be? How will we know? And he says, well, the kingdom isn't something that you will observe with signs like here it is or there it is. But actually, it's in the midst of you. It's within you. It's it's among you. Um, And that or that that other translation. What was it? What was the translation you just said? It is growing within you. Yeah, it's a passion translation, which is uh... Uh, I think people think it's a wacky one, but it's primarily used in Aramaic or the language that the street folks would have been using. Yep. Um, 
So yeah, they might have looked at each other and went, "Man, John, I see the kingdom is getting bigger inside you, bro." Uh, which would be a cool way to talk about spiritual growth. Yeah. <laughs> when then, yeah. Instead of the things that we're doing, wow, I see you're doing a lot of cool kingdom stuff. But to say, "Man, Halter, like you used to have massive anxiety. I can just you seem more peaceful. The kingdom must be expanding, exploding within you." You know. Mm-hmm. We even think of it like this. Here's another picture. So when we were little, we thought we would die and go to a a better place with clouds and care bears, right? And then as we grew and understood the way of of the creator more and the teachings of Jesus, uh, we, we started to realize that, no, that we're going to live on this earth or a version of this earth here and now for all of eternity, in a sense. Um, So what is going to be burned up? Like that's the imagery that we're given in the scriptures. Uh, In in the days of old, it was with water. The the Lord will refine the earth with fire, right? Like what's going to be burned up? And I I think what's going to be burned up is empire is Babylon is, uh, you know, the, or, not it was only the, works, right. It was things that we worked on that did not actually reflect his glory. Mm-hmm. It was actual keep, things that keep going. No, it's just what I always thought. Like I oh. about basically making it in somehow, but by the fire in my arse, you know, the, the judgment was upon the works that did not reflect him. I used to worry about that because I, in the early days, I wasn't sure of anything that I was doing for the Lord was actually for the Lord. I, <laughs> I realized a lot, even my first church plan, I looked at my motivation for that. And it was mostly, uh, it was about lost people, but it was a lot about me. And when I... right. Coach church planters, they're oftentimes they, they know what they want to do, but they won't do it because they're afraid of missing the metrics of the denomination or something. I so I I just always grew up with that sense that whatever's going to be burned up is going to be all this crap that we spent time on that didn't really reflect the glory of the kingdom, and that's that's a bit scary. Yeah, no, I mean, I get it is it is scary. It's almost so distant that it's hard to to. Yeah you know, see it as fearful, but it says that the, the scripture says the earth will be burned up as well as the works, which I think, again, everything is tied to uh, this or, or in this context, the context of this conversation is that burning is not necessarily the trees or all the cows or the, the overgrown fields or his his prize creation uh humanity um that burning is is of babylon so that then the kingdom can be uh in full again and and, um i think about uh the artist michelangelo he was a sculptor as well as a painter and when he was asked about his sculptures he, uh, he made this one famous statement. He said, uh, I see the angel inside the stone or the angel always existed inside the stone. It is the job of the artist to chip away until the angel is there. 
and uh, in, in present. And as uh, you know, as we kind of dive into this conversation, I'm I'm saying, what if we're the artists that are slowly chipping away at empire to 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 allow the kingdom to to thrive and uh, rule in our city under the reign of Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm, it's actually really intriguing to think about it that way. And, and, you know, I hear, I, I can immediately hear like Jesus constantly saying like, who has eyes to see and ears to hear like, I'm cause, cause what it, what it makes me think of like with the reference to the chunk of marble is like, what vision, what, what kind of vision must you have because even the way that that's being framed is one that is discovering something that is there rather than imposing something that is envisioned. Right. And like the ability, and, and actually it makes me think, you know, even Jesus, yes. Jesus yes. would say to Peter, you are a rock. And like, when you see this character play out, like he would speak something into people that wasn't clearly there. Right. It was, it was like, I see this thing in you that will be, and it is, but it is like discovering something that's already there, calling it out or, or, or pulling out that angel. And so I wonder like, what's the, what's the um, implication then for like, like what, what does that mean for us? Like as artists, as, as builder, as missionary, as whatever, to like have those eyes to see like, what, okay. what, what does that necessitate for vision? Yeah. Q, I'm guessing you missed everything that John just said. I know, but I'm sure it was great. Apparently there are some dead zones up here in Michigan. So just y'all just keep going if you see me fade out. All good. No, man. I so I wanna I'm like losing it mentally over this conversation. I mean, this is just super exciting thinking about discovering the kingdom. And it's not a it's not a change of pace. It's not a massive change of of anything. It's just the 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 ethos of what we're doing in our hearts. We're just discovering and uncovering and revealing that which already exists. That that makes what just the idea of here and not yet here makes so much sense, right? We've heard that many times, like, uh, you know, eternity is here, but not yet here. The kingdom of heaven is here and not yet here. Thinking about every city, every neighborhood, every context, every people, uh, that the kingdom exists within their midst, even in the darkest of places, but it takes the artist to come in and to begin to, to slowly chip away. So here's what, what makes me uh, kind of water at the mouth a bit in thinking about this is the only way to, to do this, I guess. The, action, the, the most significant action step is to begin to listen to the one who has called us as artists. Because there is no programmatic model. There is no perfect system. There is no five-step plan to discovering the kingdom in your context. The reason the things that Jesus taught us were almost by and large intangible is because it takes those intangible uh, spiritual kind of 
conscious and subconscious postures in order to hear the voice of the, you know, the, the creator master builder. So like here, hey. here's an example. Well, last thing I'll land the plane with this. Why not sin? We've talked about this for years. Uh, all three of us, why not sin? Sin doesn't make us bad. Sin makes us bound. Well, I don't want to sin because when I sin, it's like putting cotton in my ears. It's like wrapping vines around my ankles. I can't run fast. I can't hear clearly. It's like having fog or uh, haze in front of my eyes. I can't see what God is doing. So if if I teach if I teach my children or if I if I teach others, don't sin because it's bad. You're bad, man. That just doesn't cut it with most people. I mean, it'll it'll modify a bit behavior. Uh, a bit of your behavior, it'll it'll help with some moralism here and there. But once you test that water and you you step into the sin of vanity or of perversion or of greed and you realize that it's actually not that bad. Like, I still feel like a good person. I still love people, whatever, you know? And you're not accustomed to hearing the leading of God through the Holy Spirit or whatever. Then you say, well, I, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't motivate me to practice the teachings of Jesus. But when you step away from the teachings of Jesus and you realize that you're creating a distance, a silencing, a, 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 a lack of understanding of how the, the Father is telling you to carve and to uncover and to display his kingdom, then you go, man, I don't. I don't want this shit in my life anymore, you know? So if uh, if the kingdom is expanding, sin is just stifling the kingdom expands in us, right? Like right, right when you were saying all that, I'm passing a dealership that had some beautiful Mercedes Sprinter vans, four by fours. And I all go. of a sudden, I was just like, whoa. Do I really want one of those? Those are only 150 grand. I should just pull over right now and get me. So that's that's my nice stand right there. Well, those are okay, the kingdom, so right? Let me do this. You and John are by far on the more artistic, prophetic side. So all this talk, this psychedelic, crazy stuff you're talking about right now. Uh, for guys like me who love to work and just get after it. We don't want to waste any time. We want to be faithful to God. Um, and obviously I'm being facetious, but if the kingdom is still something that he says we should dig for, right? And we should desire and look for, um, seek all that. Then let's start talking about that. Like we talked about, I like the way you said footings. There's some things like, for instance, Jesus does give us hints, right? He seems to hint pretty strongly that the more we live our lives amongst uh, those that lack access, the poor, that somehow we find more of the kingdom in that world than when we try to get away from that, right? Mm -hmm. so what are the other hints? Because if we angle towards the poor, we're probably going to have a lot more kingdom expand within us what else 
lean towards. Say that one more time. Just that, that ending, you broke up. Just say, what are some other no-brainers or hints that we can kind of lead people towards? They can't build it, but we can say, but lean towards this, lean towards the poor. Uh, what else? Yeah, so I just to, just to kind of further flesh out the question even is like, and this is, Taylor, you reference sometimes me talking about the walking in a fog, is I've actually thought about the vision of the kingdom um, like it being like, you know, we've talked about things like justice, like nobody can tell you this is what justice looks like because it's a moving target. It's, it's, it's always a vision. Right. It's always off in the distance. It's something that you move toward, but like you can kind of tell which direction it's in. So like, it's like we're walking in a fog and we have these signposts along the way. And so like, yeah. if you're, if you're searching, so like, I think, you know, using uh, the one Hugh just said among the poor, like I always, I always think of Matthew 25 um, as, as Jesus, like uh, sketching out like a where's Waldo puzzle. Like if, if, if I go into my city or any city yeah. and I go, okay, where's Waldo? Where, like, where, 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 where am I going to find Jesus? And I'm like, right. well, he's given some clues, prisoners, hospitals, poverty, homelessness like the he he said this is i was here right yeah. and you did what so i was like okay so those are signs that point me in the direction to find where's waldo or whatever and then and then i think there are things like that so like you guys were talking about like sin as obstacle um sin is a thing that maybe prohibits our our action like movement or the growth of the kingdom and i would say also like it is something that divides. So just going back like theologically to even just the fall, like we break in relationship with God, with the planet, with one another, um, and with ourselves. Right. And so then I'm like, okay, so if sin is that, which is pulling us apart relationally and love is something that is uniting us relationally, I go, that's a very basic metric. And actually what's funny is there's a, there's a, um, I'll just, you know, Hugh knows I like to bring some old philosophers up once in a while. So uh, Aristotle, our boy Aristotle wrote this book on ethics and there was this, there was this really yeah, cool it, thing. That he, We've all read it. Yeah. Everyone's read that he, he said, but he's like, look, if you, if someone, it, it is a crime to smack someone, let's say like it's unethical, not crime, but like if you smack someone, that's bad. If you smack your dad or your mom, that's worse. Um, and so, cause what he, what he did was he was like the, the injustice is amplified by the relationship. So mm -hmm. like the fact that this is a family member makes it worse. And I always wondered then if loving your enemy was the inverse of that, like, well, then does it mean that caring for a stranger is better than like, I drove and put my mom's shutters up before the storm came here in Tampa last week. And had I done that for a stranger or for the old lady down the street, instead of my mom, would that have been greater? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and because, and I, and I just wonder if that inverse is true. I don't know the answer to that. It's just a question that I have, but I think of those like signposts. The, so the real, all that say the relational piece has always been a thing to me. Does this move us toward uh, oneness with one another in community with our neighbors, with our friends toward uh, loving or forgiving community, or does it skit or does it create schism? 
And so that question is one that makes is something like like a signpost into the fog. Like that tastes like kingdom, right? That will be John, like, think think about this too, like inversely, not just the things that we can lean people towards, but there's things Jesus warned. Like if you if you lean into these, you're probably gonna miss ah, yeah, the yeah, kingdom. Yeah. Remember, like where he says, uh, you know, throwing pearls before swine. He's talking about the pearls of the kingdom, right? Yep. So don't just throw them out to people that are just going to essentially trample mud all over them. That might be a super clear picture of, of a Sunday sermon mm. that we week after week, we just throw out to people that we know really have no interest in going to the extent that they need mm. to with what they heard. Right. So, you know, so maybe stop, like if you want to find the kingdom, stop setting up as I remember Taylor said, you can never make the, narrow way wide right so stop trying to make this incredible call to give your life for this kingdom into this thing that everybody can just kind of uh palette and add to their upperly mobile life so Mm -hmm. maybe there is something that we are you know we start tacking off three degrees towards consumer christianity and propping up kind of a pharisee factory that many of our churches have become, maybe it's going to be really hard for us to find it as well. And I just, I, I always wonder, I always wonder if the story is so much better than we realize. Now, obviously the, the answer is yes, but that's not really what I mean. Like, how good is this story? How good is this news? And how, how exciting can it be to, to really understand the, the depth and the breadth of the words of Jesus and the teaching? And like when, when I hear you guys talking, all I keep thinking about is this instruction. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. And it's, it's quite nonsensical to think that he meant like your bank account. Right. Or your your if you just seek the kingdom. Uh, you'll get that raise at work or you'll get the woman of your dreams or something silly like that. Like when you start seeking the kingdom, you, you look for it. Where are the, where are the, you know, where are the clues and, and, and how do we find it? And as you love the stranger, as, or let's say, as you welcome in the stranger or as you make a place at your table for the lonely, as you uh, forgive and love your enemy. Um, as you deny things, you know, things that you know are going to fulfill and satisfy, satisfy some kind of longing like that sprinter van that you saw, like, uh, uh, thought I'd drop that in there. Uh, you, you, you start to uncover a clue of this idea of you're seeking the kingdom and then more is going to be added. Like, I'm going to show you more in time. I think there's the there's secrets here to where this story is so much better than we thought. And then good news is, this is what I wrote yesterday. Good news is telling everyone you're welcome in this city that we've uncovered. It's a city where everyone has a place at the table. It's a city where no one is going to be hungry. I mean, that's real. Like that's not a proverbial yep. utopia. That's real. Like you sit at our table and you will have a meal tonight. Hey, you're going to get but, new brothers and sisters. You're going to get, you're going to get help when you're in crisis. You're going to like, 
that stuff is unbelievably good news. Yeah. Right. Tangibly good news. And and when and when, and this is where like the whole seeking the kingdom, this is that parable that you know Jesus kind of I think it's in Matthew 13, goes through all of these, like the parables, like or the, the kingdom is like the kingdom is like. But one of the things that he says is like is like a treasure that's hidden in a field that right. you like kind of stumble upon. You're like, oh shit, what's this? But when yeah. you find it, like when you see it, when you when you sit at that table, when you find those brothers and sisters, when you taste that alternative to Babylon, when you when you when you come into that garden, you will go in a hurry and sell everything that you have, get rid of everything that you have, do whatever that it takes to to have that, to acquire that in permanency, to make it your own, uh, to put all your chips in on that when you stumble upon it. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I even think, keep going, but I think no, that's it's it. even, I think it's like, or, I don't know, like a requirement or it, it's necessary. Like that's the kind of, or I don't know, maybe, what do you think? Maybe it's just the, the natural reaction when you start to see and sense the kingdom city and, and find it and you'll do anything you can to get back. To, to go there. And I, you know, I know like then you start thinking about real life, real experiences, the parable of the sower, the cares of this world. But man, this uncovering the kingdom, let's talk about like how it starts to change the effort and the methods and the way like a, a missionary or a, um, a city builder would approach kind of the work in their city. Yeah, like Taylor, I was just thinking like, you know, a lot of people, because they know your story and my story, they go, okay, so I guess you, you build a coffee shop and that's how you get at the kingdom. And we would both laugh because it's actually just a lot of work. But we might say, yeah, we believe in convergent zones because somehow having a space where people just bounce off of each other day after day, hour after hour, somehow makes it way more easy to discover the kingdom and if you have yeah. no place where people can connect so that's why we would say look the key to the kingdom is not a coffee shop but we'd say you've got to build spaces where people come together so that might be a, a a tangible reason why we do the things that we do we'd say the same thing about an intentional house in a neighborhood because we'd say that's a that's a pillar or building block of a brave city is you got to have in people that don't just live in houses in neighborhoods, but people that intentionally say, this is where I'm going to live. And this is what our house is going to be in our neighborhood. Again, they're not building the kingdom, but they are building a house and a family and rhythms of life where it just makes the kingdom just really easily discoverable. Yeah. Um, so, yep. no, okay. So let me, let's riff on this for just a second. John, are you frozen or are you still no, there? No, I'm just, okay. I'm, <laughs> All right. he is wild. All right. He's just wowed by the wisdom coming out of the park. <laughs> it's here. true. It's true. Two two things. Convergent spaces. All right. Jesus teaches, uh, what is it, like Matthew 5, Matthew 18, something like that. Like if you have anything against your brother, go to him before you bring your gift to the altar or uh, go, to, go to him in private if he has a, an offense against you. Something like that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he says... Um, 
uh, throw in some teachings, but but it'll make sense in a second. All right. <laughs> so in everyday life, in like our normal Western kind of industrialized lives, we are just totally separated from each other. And you know, man, computer screens and social media and everything else has only exacerbated that. So let's just take one idea and maybe it'll kind of unpack. But when you build convergent spaces where people interact, all right, John, you and I are hanging out on a Tuesday. Let's say we live in the same city or actually Hugh and I do. So Hugh and I are hanging out on a Tuesday. I say something about his family that pisses him off, something insensitive, a little offensive, whatever. So then resentment gets to settle into him. We know that resentment is toxic. It destroys not only relationships, but I've, I've seen it destroy whole communities. Mm -hmm. But then because we have a convergent space, Hugh sees me again on Wednesday. And I go up to him, I give him a hug, or I like say something to a, a, a parishioner or a, a, somebody patronizing the business or something like that. He remembers that he loves me, you know, whatever. All right, that's that's example one. And then he kind of goes, man, what is this? What is this I'm feeling towards Taylor? Like, I need to release this. This is ridiculous. He he doesn't feel this way. He's not this person I've created in my mind. Or then you set you take like a, an idea like do, do not be anxious. And I, I'm coming. I'm coming to a point. But I think this is really interesting. It says be anxious about nothing. Prayer and supplication. Make your request known. Now, John, I know that you're familiar with anxiety in your household, not primarily through you much at all, but more so through your spouse. And you're open about that and something that she's working through, I think, in an amazing way. Yep. But like I've seen in 20 years of like pastoral work or whatever else that teaching someone that the Bible says don't be anxious does almost nothing to, to help them. Makes them Furthermore, <laughs> it, yeah, over time, because they're like trying to muster up enough stress. Look, look, look at you. Look at you just sinning with all that yeah, anxiety. Yeah. Or, or even more so <laughs> trying to get into the neuroscience of it all can be helpful, but it's not fully helpful. So what they really learn to do is create coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. But let's just say, not necessarily in your example, but let's say overall, we start to create these little villages where we live in context with one another and where we're like watching out for each other's lives and we're finding all things in common and we're sharing things. And you notice that that anxiety starts to go down. We're sharing life together. We're sharing resources. We're sharing pain. We're sharing uh, fear and we're, 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 uh, carrying one another's burdens in a sense, which is a, a teaching of Jesus. And then the anxiety starts to go down. And then what we're realizing is to teach someone the principles of Jesus without teaching the kingdom is rather oppressive, right? Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Like yep. to teach someone to simply not be resentful without offering them the kingdom where they can converge every day and remember the love they have for each other, that's sort of oppressive because now you're just trying to muster up enough courage or faith or strength to deal with this human fleshly reaction that you have towards offense. So there's something way bigger, way more, far more layered than just a biblical principle of if you will seek first the kingdom, all these things lack of anxiety, lack of resentment, lack of bitterness, mm. lack of greed, mm. start to be added unto you because you live in a, in a kingdom city. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like the ecosystem itself kind of provides for those for those needs where it's like, don't worry about tomorrow. Well, okay, how how is that possible? Unless I have brothers and sisters all around me. Like if my house blows away in the storm, I'll go to your house because that because I am in that ecosystem. Right. Um, That's how I can not be anxious about tomorrow. Yep, that's right. I was just thinking of, well, I was just thinking of three actual things in relationship to our kind of convergence zone. I think about a guy that came in single dad with two high school girls, always wore a suit and tie. And he comes in at the end of business one day and he's in tears. And uh, I said, what's wrong, bro? And he's just like, I had no idea where else to go. I was hoping I could find you here. And he just told me he hadn't closed a deal for about a year and a half. He goes, I'm going to have to be living in my car with my teenage daughters. And I just have no idea. And he goes, I'm not asking for any help. I just, I just felt like if I could get here and see you, maybe you'd pray or whatever. I think about uh, Taylor, when you and I were in the lobby and Yvonne came in because she just had, you know, a bad relational breakup and she came looking for us, right. Just for prayer, a hug, um, and then I was thinking about that cat that you know I can't stand in our city that slandered me, but he does roll into the post every once in a while. And I do, I go up and I shake his hand. I even give him a hug. I don't like him, but I realize, oh, I'm starting to love this little sucker again. So <laughs> yeah. it really, that's why the convergence zones are, I think are just helpful in discovering the kingdom. But uh, I think all these examples, hopefully they're really giving people an idea that the coffee shop building it, having a cup of Joe is not what it's not the secret sauce. No, here's a, but here's... if all you have though, is a church service to invite people to, if that's all you got as an invite, you can see how people are going to be walking over this beautiful field their whole life and they're never going to stumble upon it. Well, I remember the first time I, let me say this real quick. Last example. First time I came to the post after it was running, uh, we had worked on it together a lot, but I had never been here before. Uh, this, this one time, I think it was 2018 when it was open for business and I walk in and Hugh, you're like bussing, you're just working your little ass off bussing tables like a, like a intern. Like a punk. Well, I remember thinking a couple things. Like, I could have just thought, man, this dude's so humble. Wow, that's awesome. But the thought that came to my mind is this is how you break down hierarchical, uh, you know, separation and dominance. This is how you break the, like, the spirit of uh, envy or uh, jealousy. Like, I was watching kind of in real time, the elements of the kingdom being displayed in a, in a subversive way. Like what I'm trying to say is, as you learn to practice the, the, the principles of this kingdom life that Jesus taught us, you realize all the things are added. It's not a, it's not a possessional concept. It's these really hard things that I taught you to not envy people in positions of power over you, that's impossible. 
No one can do that unless they see that person in a position of power lower themselves to the place of a servant. Then they go, huh, that, that feeling, that little, that little ball in my chest that I felt towards that person, it's starting to dissipate. And I'm, I'm noticing that the ways of Jesus are being added to me naturally through the context that I'm living in and watching. That's incredible. And you know, like even though, because I remember many days like that, I don't think, Taylor, I ever thought, oh, I need to bust to show the team that the old guy is like, I literally, and Cheryl would know this, people on the team would know this, I would go down and do the Saturday bus thing because I loved it. I literally loved it. I got to talk with so many people, and and I loved being with our team. So, you know, and those were those days where I was even worried about, you know, our kids had moved to the city with us. As a dad, uh, all I wanted was that my kids would someday have a really tight community. I, I realized by being down there, just being with people, busting tables, it helped even my own children get to know people I was getting to know. It's it literally all the things that you want to see happen in your life from building community to just meeting flat out people that would never go to a church. I just go, where else would I rather be? Um, yeah. And it didn't matter if it was busting tables or standing on the corner um, of the bar. It's just, yeah, I loved it. And to me, that was the kingdom, even building out the building. I loved it even before people were showing up because I got to meet people. In fact, Yvonne that came in later with, with you and I, God rest her soul. Uh, she got killed in a car wreck about three months ago. But she, you know, people like her would just come in while I was building the building and go, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I remember uh, she literally goes, "What are you doing?" She didn't trust me. She didn't know what I was doing, but we just became great friends. So I feel like the stories are there to help us know we do have to build things. Like we literally have to build things with our hands, and uh, but that's not the secret sauce. Um, oh. But it's going to be hard to find the secret sauce without these things. Yeah. I, I think that's an important um, point. And like something at the beginning of this, you were talking about like we are building something. We're building these kingdom ecosystems, but that's not building the kingdom per se. And it's like there's and, – and the the question, the line that came to mind, the verse that came to mind is um, – what is this? It's uh, like in Hebrews 3 uh, – the verse four says for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Um, and I, and I was curious about this, like when you, cause you guys asked before, like, how does it change the, the word that came to mind is the striving. Like, how does this change the missionary engagement? Right. And I was like the, the, what, what came to mind is like the, the frantic striving nature of yes. so many so many people that like need to accomplish something need to notch some belt need to count some metric need to accomplish acquire or live up to be seen whatever it is that is so uh well akin to the pursuits of any any institution in babylon right to go this is this is the you know this is the thing that i think jesus is saying not so with you not this isn't how it's done with you, but it is the way that we're we're 
and it's and it's 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 part of us like anthropologically it's part of us that's in us like we 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 have this like sinful nature this desire to be seen and credit moved to us and you know even that even that that uh you know we don't want to be the bus boy we want to be the boss man that kind of thing it's just like part of this thing and it's what jesus is constantly speaking to you want to be great you need to be the servant you need to move in this direction this is this is the thing but also but then like but you are building you are you do have to work hard so like it can look very similar in the concrete right like i'm 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 out here actively engaged i'm out here building i'm on my way somewhere there's something being done through me and with me and in me and and i think it's an important like question like what's the there every house is built by someone like you need to be building these tables and building these spaces and building these houses there's a lot of work to be done but it's the work of i don't know the work of prayer the work of yeah and that's in 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 like faithful worship and what is that what is that difference i'd love to hear you guys like talk speak to that well I'm, I'm, you know how I do, man. I get kind of lost and wrapped up in, in one image and I stay on it for months, but that's, that's why I think this image of Michelangelo and the, and the, uh, the sculptures is so powerful because first, I first want to start with the idea of, can you imagine his obsession? Like, can you just for a minute picture his devotion and his obsession to his craft what it must have taken and we could call it sacrifice right but i think at the core he wouldn't call it sacrifice he would say it's it it feels like i've been let in on a secret that many don't know and all i could do is think about this picture this image so then we move from the, the obsession to the work itself. In his mind, whether, whether we see this as kind of, you know, artistic piety or not, in his mind, the, the angel was already there. The sculpture, the David, whatever, it was already there. So he wasn't building anything. He was, but he was working uh, exhaustively to uncover this, mm this piece of art. And so I think that's what we're trying to unpack today is the building is really more of a, like the stone is Babylon covering up through the, the, you know, whatever the original sin of man, paradise, the place of God, the place where he dwells and where he reigns. The, the, the obsessed artist role is the chipping away. So when we build a convergent space, because we feel like God said, build this space, coffee, man, it's not cliche. It's, it's a cultural phenomenon. Just in the past hundred years, it has become the central product to bringing people together other than maybe music, but music is, has a different phenomenon, right? And so it's not surprising why so many people are being drawn to coffee. And I personally don't, you know, mock or snicker or cut my eyes at anyone that is thinking about coffee because I know the power of it. However, when I see that they're doing it for reasons that 
like to make money, which is the word. Don't ever do coffee to make money. Uh, to to build like a church that space. Truth. <laughs> yeah. You know, to to create a space where they can have their church gathering and maybe do something cool and relevant like that. Like the idea from the beginning was, how can we bring people together in natural convergence? touching, passing, seeing, imparting power and love and, and pain and all that. So anyway, that's where that comes from. And, and John has, has a, a, an amazing bike shop in Tampa, Florida. Like the idea is connecting things like work, transportation, access, and, and a little bit of community through things like group rides and and uh, bike repair, like uh, repair shops together. It's all, a, it's all a facade. That's probably the wrong word. There's a more positive word, but it's a facade of we're trying to, to carve away the things that are keeping kingdom from people. And then after five, 10 years of it, you look around and you realize there's an economy here. Mm-hmm. There's a whole city of people living, working, uh, spending and fighting together in everyday rhythms. We're not separated by these kind of Babylonian concepts of division anymore. All right. So I'm seeing signs that are referencing the state of Ohio. I might have missed an entire state. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to have to get back on my map thing here soon so john every great great pages has to have a title yeah i'm gonna suggest one that you were i think it'll maybe be you can't build the kingdom but you got to build something how about that i love it you guys riff off of it and um yeah i gotta go find michigan again guys well hey i think i think our hour's up actually yeah john if you want to kind of really land it yeah well, no, I think this is great. And hopefully, you know, for those listening along, kind of engaging this thought, we'd love to continue, probably we'll need to pick up on this again. Um, but I, I I, think this is at some level, the, the, the question I really just think comes back to this, like it's seek first the kingdom. And like, it's something that we're fixated on, that this conversation's fixated on, that like at some level we become ultimately concerned, like as the top concern of our lives, that this is what matters most. And what that does is alleviates all of the other competing concerns, like survival, like my bank account, like my other relationships, like do people care about what I'm doing? Like, do I look stupid? Like, do I have something in my teeth? All of those things become less important when my attention is fixated on the kingdom and if we, and and for, for all of us and for all of you, it's like in every place that you are and every interaction that you're in, have your eyes fixed on and seeking for looking for within the individual, within the conversation, within the context, within the coffee shop, where here is, is the kingdom and how do I fan those flames and how do I, I give myself and, and my resources and my energy to that, to 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 further carve away whatever is in its way, uh, whatever sin is keeping it from growing or expanding, and to and to just like fuel that process. And honestly, I I think this has been a great conversation, super clarifying for me. And it is like um I don't know, I guess I would say like uh, liberating in a real sense to go, man. That's that's yeah, very simple yeah. 
and very fun and very engaging. Um, and not, not, it isn't the, the stress and fun, frantic of frantic, I don't know, performance as opposed to right. like exploration and journey and, and, and love it. I love it. I love you guys for, for kind of helping help and lead the way through this conversation and kind of do this. And we'll, uh, we'll, we will continue on our way here. Hopefully you find, Boy, hopefully you find the state you're headed to. Just want to, just want to find Michigan again. <laughs> it's a big state. I know it's around here somewhere. <laughs>